Welcome to Bread and Poppies, where we discuss why drugs are good, capitalism is bad, and what to do about it. So, welcome to Bread and Poppies. Welcome. This, uh, this is a new podcast uh, that we're beginning. We're going to have some fancy intro music soon, but we need to find something that, uh, you know, we have the rights to. So, um, I'm Hillary Agro. I'm an anthropologist. I study drug policy, drug users, and anti-prohibition activism, and I am involved in all of those things. Uh, my name is Chuka Jekum. I'm a, a grad student in political science. I work in, uh, in labor, and uh, I also study drug policy and uh, prohibition, and um, think most specifically about... Uh, the question of reparations for drug prohibition. Yeah, so this podcast is basically just an outlet because we are obsessive about politics and drug policy. And once you do enough kind of reading about that for 8 to 12 hours a day, you just kind of want an outlet for it. Um, so yeah, so this is going to be about drugs primarily, the war on them, the culture around them. And the second thing it's going to be about is capitalism, how it's tied into the war on drugs, why it sucks shit, and what we can do about all of it. Yeah, I think that it is absolutely true that you do need an outlet, uh, especially when so much of what we encounter seems to you know, drive you absolutely bonkers and uh, there, there isn't really a reprieve, you know, like there's no mm -hmm. separation, there's no break between uh, the deluge of shittiness that we are uh, bombarded with. So yeah. the world sucks and I just, I just need to talk about it. <laughs> Talking is therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to just like work through uh, our feelings <laughs> on these issues. We have some very strong ones, but um, you know. What's the point of getting an education uh, if you're not going to share what you learn with other people, right? Like this is, it's, it's part of sort of, um, I don't know, I don't know if we do know this one, call it democratizing knowledge, but um, at, le at the very least sharing what we know because, um, you know, we both go to institutes of higher education and those are places that most people can't access. So, um, yeah, we should be sharing what we learn and uh, getting pe other people involved in our analyses. And I think it is, um, I mean, I think I can understand why you would maybe hesitate a bit to call this specific thing democratizing knowledge. But yeah, I, let's, yeah, let's make a podcast. <laughs> that's that's um, democracy. But uh, it certainly is the case that like the same systems that entrenched capitalism and entrenched uh, drug prohibition in the world have created particular structures of like recognized knowledge production and, uh, and protection or hoarding, you could say. Um, and so I think that the push to to make knowledge accessible to everyone, both the production of knowledge and uh, the ingestion and use of it, uh, is the same sort of uh, movement that imbues the, our other politics. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know what? If this doesn't work out, we'll just do one where we drop acid and you know talk about movies the whole time. Because that's drugs Probably, and culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what's uh, what's going on today? Uh, actually, big news in the last couple hours is uh, <laughs> Slay Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Speaker of the House uh, of the, the U.S. House of Representatives, has 
announced that they will the Democrats are pushing or will be opening an impeachment inquiry into uh, the great orange fiend. Yeah, finally. And this is ugh, see, I'm just I'm I'm, so, I'm tired of it already. I've been on Twitter. <laughs> I, went, I went on Twitter for like ten minutes, and I'm already exhausted by mm-hmm. the discourse because. I feel like people were finally starting to see Nancy Pelosi for who she is, which is like, you know, a neoliberal shill who is just completely bought and sold by the corporations that fund her and is is so stuck in this like old, old school Democrat kind of, um, you know, allegiance to civility uh, and and process above actual the actual material well-being of her constituents and the country mm. that she didn't want to impeach because of, I don't know, because she thought it would make them look bad or just well, like, why was she so against it? For I don't know. I mean, I imagine that for a period she thought that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, like it might, if it didn't go through, then it would, then the Democrats would play like the, their biggest card. And if it failed, uh, then Trump could turn it and say, like, I'm untouchable, basically, you know, and he would, like, go mm-hmm. into the election riding the backs of, riding the back of a winged horse. Um, also, though, I think that, like, as you were saying, like, I think that Pelosi is someone who is very much concerned with power and, like, protecting her own, and impeachment, the people who were arguing for impeachment from, the, from day one were like on the ground activists and people who within the party people who like Pelosi does not have a particularly uh, amicable relationship with and so I think both pushing for impeachment kind of concedes power to them in a way but then also it means that like the highest levels of power in US politics are accessible uh, by those like on the ground movements mm. which I doubt is something that she really wants no, because she is in one of those offices she, yeah, yeah she doesn't want to actually have to be accountable to yeah. the people who put her in office. God forbid. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I felt for a little while um, with all the calls for impeachment, she was just ignoring them and sidestepping it and downplaying it and saying, oh, well, you know, if it's not gonna, it's not gonna get through Congress, so like, why are we gonna do it? Um, but she's finally today, because of the, the most arcane, ridiculous... <sighs> yeah, so... I haven't, I mean, I don't know too much about this, but like Hunter Biden Hunter is Biden an extremely uh, enigmatic some crack character. On a pipeline in Ukraine or something. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think that he was like kind of like, like the sort of thing that like Ivanka uh, Trump and Jared Kushner are doing, are doing now, like sort of gallivanting around the world, like trading on his father's name and making deals. I don't know like, what those deals were. I don't know like to what degree he profited from them or anything. Um, but he was like, you know, going about the world, saying, "My dad's the VP. Do business with me." Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ukraine or Ukraine, forgive me, is uh, one of the places he went. And I again, I don't know what he did there, but it was something apparently. And and Trump called the Ukrainian president. And asked him to investigate Hunter Biden. Yeah, he said that he like some some aid that they were going to give Ukraine was going to be contingent right. on them investigating Hunter Biden, and so yeah, um, basically that is apparently the the final straw. Like, right. Not the concentration camps. Not like the you know appointing like a, a, a clear like lying sociopathic sexual assaulter to the supreme court like not not you know 
we could go on and on and on mm-hmm. about all the things that he has personally done and his administration has done, but this was apparently the thing. So, congrats, uh, Pelosi. Yeah, Thanks for finally getting on board. I'm just really not looking forward to everyone now ascribing, you know, that, that this is going to go down in history as, as Pelosi making the right call and doing the brave thing when she's, you know, it was she's basically caving mm-hmm. to a year of pressure from her constituents, the entire country and, um, her own colleagues in Congress. So, and it's always in the back of your head. You wonder if like her primary concern is protecting Joe Biden, who she wants to be the next president. Mm. Um, but I suppose if that's what it is, that's what it is better than nothing. Um, I think that, and I don't know the exact process of impeachment inquiries. Um, I saw someone remark that like, you know, people are conflating impeachment with removing the president from office, which like, okay, you know, I don't know what the exact distinction is, but, um, you know, Bill Clinton had to leave office because he lied to Congress. And like, obviously if Trump is forced to testify under oath, he will lie. It's not really like, even if he didn't want to, he would. Mm -hmm. So there is still a question of like, would he leave? You know, like, would he go? I, I don't know that that's clear. Um, but certainly I think if it gets to him having to testify under oath and then he will be, Mm -hmm. he will certainly recognizably lie. Yeah. And more than anything, it's just, you know, regardless of, of what the results of the process would be or whether he would leave or whether it's going to, you know, help the Democrats politically or whether if, you know, whatever happens, if it's the right thing to do, you have to do it. Like, this is why any arguments for whether or not it's going to you know, work uh, to the Democrats' favor are irrelevant because if he's done illegal shit, mm. then he needs to be impeached. Mm. Like, um, anyways, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, there was some nicer news this week as well with Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. Um, so she spoke. She's incredible. Yeah, she spoke. To, was it the general, the UN General Assembly that she spoke? Yeah. About? Um, and she, uh, it's funny that they invited her to speak, um, to the UN knowing that she was just getting yell at them. Like it's, it's kind of weird because it's very, very cathartic and wonderful to watch her, um, just get absolutely enraged at these, you know, liberal leaders that have completely failed us on climate change. And she's telling them, you know, you, you you've stolen my future and like shattered my dreams. Like I should not be here. I'm a 16 year old kid. I should be in school. Stop saying that you're doing anything because you're not doing anything. Um, and it's super gratifying to watch her say this to all these leaders who have failed us for such, for such a long time. But it's also like, it's, it's almost eerie in a way because they're applauding her, you know? And then there's, there's all of these, um, these liberal capitalist Democrats who are, are are applauding her and saying, you know, you go girl and like Greta's going to lead the way. And it's the same people that she's talking to. So the question is, are they ignorant? Like, do they really not understand the scope of the problem? Do they not understand that their policies are what has led to this crisis? Mm. Or are they just cynical and just are, are looking to, you know, sort of, shore up their progressive bona fides by like by just supporting her in name only and Mm. then continuing with um continuing to ravage the environment with with their liberal policies i mean i think definitely some of them 
uh, like just don't take her seriously, you know? It's like, oh, it's impressive for her to be doing this, but like also she's a kid. She doesn't really get it, yeah. right? And they're almost just like, oh, that's so sweet. That's, right. so, that's so brave of you right. to go and stand up for what you believe in. Meanwhile, yeah. she's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Listen to the words I'm saying. Yeah. Listen to the scientists. Stop congratulating me. Like she's literally told them, I don't want to hear your congratulations. Stop clapping. Do something. Mm-hmm. And they are just... They just keep they clapping. Just keep clapping, yeah. And that, I, yeah, but is that it, really is it cynicism area. or is it ignorance? I don't think, I mean, question. I don't know, like, ignorance, I mean, I think that, like, you could, I think you could argue, like, if someone can be confronted with the information that we're all confronted with and still think that radical transformations are not required, yeah, I think you could call it ignorance, but maybe it's just, like, being so steeped in in the status quo like steeped in whatever structures of power exist already that anything outside of that does just doesn't seem real anymore you know mm-hmm. yeah who knows but um she sailed across the fucking ocean yeah that's, no, that's unbelievable the more yeah I about her, the more I'm, yeah. I'm impressed yeah um but i just I, I can't figure out how this plays out in terms of actual action because um until Greta starts sharpening a guillotine, mm. like, because her politics, like, she's she's she wants them to listen to science scientists, but she also doesn't have sort of like the most like developed politics behind um, her activism in mm. terms of like making these connections to colonialism and capitalism, like these structures that are that are fueling um, climate change. So I'm wondering also like if if that's why they have elevated her so much is because she's slightly more benign than than people like i don't know you know your naomi klein mm-hmm. and others who are pointing to the same um problems but actually pinpointing the uh reasons behind them which we know um are capitalist extraction yeah i mean i don't i think that i, I don't remember who this was from but i encountered a, a thread on twitter the other day and it was someone who was like oh you know i support like the climate like the climate global climate strike and stuff but like have you actually read through their documents because they're talking about like um they're he's like they're they take like a decide a pointedly anti-corporatist and anti-capitalist uh stance or at least in their rhetoric and and uh they talk about like prioritizing indigenous knowledge and systems of uh of uh ecological Good. preservation right exactly but then for him he was like well that means it's not serious like they don't know what they're talking about yeah and so like you know don't support their movement because it's basically like you know well, this uh, is the thing. like these movements have to be politicized because they're there there are two sides to this issue there are the people with money and power and there are the rest of us and like they're like no climate activism is actually going to be effective unless it acknowledges these systems of power and money that are that are driving these things and so but then as soon as you start doing that then it becomes you know Mm. necessarily politicized Mm. and the people who um who are on the other side of that and and who subscribe to to right-wing ideologies because that's what they've been told by these moneyed interests who have poured money for years and years into making sure that they don't um that there are people on their side um, yeah, they're just gonna, like, something that should just be science, which is the climate change, becomes, um, political, and people just think it's a matter of opinion, but I'm sorry, Marxism is science as well, so, <laughs> <laughs> it um, is the immortal science. And it really is not talked about enough, um, like, the, like, Exxon executives 
obfuscating research for decades uh, when even within their within their own company they were they had accepted the research and were yeah, like, developing their business proposals they've literally like yeah. shifted the building plans for their arctic drills yeah. so that they would be higher up so that when the oceans rise they can still they can fucking keep drill. drilling it's yeah. fucked like, yeah it's it's unbelievable and and we're still like and this is the thing when we talk about structures of capitalism and colonialism um like those are important to recognize as structures because what we mean by structures are there there are different um people and actors working together to to keep this system moving but at the same time we need to acknowledge that um when we're talking about structures we're talking about people specifically like there there are specific people they have names they have faces they um are making choices they're sending emails they're making phone calls they are doing these things purposely and willingly and and in full knowledge of the results of their actions and so when we're talking about capitalism like we we need to um use that word and have that awareness of these different um yeah these 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 different systems that are causing the problem but it's not like capitalism is just kind of like a cloud right. that's like right. floating over the world. It's people doing things, right. and we can hold them accountable. Um, I mean, and this is this is somewhat like what we'll be talking about next. But uh, uh, it's like uh, it's like Joe Biden said, you know, when he like he ostensibly has a, a, a criticism of economic inequality in the U.S. I don't, I doubt he has one about the world, even like at a surface level but um but yeah so he ostensibly has a criticism of of uh, economic inequality in the u.s but then he says things like oh you know i don't think that 500 billionaires are the problem and it's like joe 500 fucking billionaires if they're not the problem who is like yeah they're exactly the problem and but yeah. this is the thing at least we're finally getting this sort of in the public discourse that we're finally hearing the word billionaires and and like the ultra wealthy and all that kind of thing and People like Biden and like, you know, Chelsea Clinton, who was one of the, yay, go Greta Thunberg, like, you go girl. Um, meanwhile, her her mom, Hillary Clinton, like, would bring, like, coal activists to her to and, and you know, was like super pro-fracking yeah. throughout her entire campaign. Um, all of those people are finally having to sort of uh, outright defend these their their ideology like and defend these billionaires that are finally getting targeted like before people weren't it like questioning the existence of billionaire like people were but like it wasn't in the public sphere as much as it is now and so they didn't have to they didn't have to defend these completely immoral practices and by immoral practices i mean just being a billionaire like hoarding that much wealth owning that many resources it's an inherently immoral thing to do and B, but before they could, like, they weren't having to answer yeah. for the existence, and now they are, and the more that they have to answer for it, the better, um, but I can't believe they're, like, it's it's good because it's so morally bankrupt that, like, it sounds so pathetic yeah. coming from, like, I don't think billionaires are the problem, but we know that they are, so, no, like, and who I mean, is they... listening to you and being like, oh, yeah, you know what, yeah. Uh, they really show their face too. Like I think it was at uh, the Davos summit 
when mm. uh, Bill Gates, who is of course venerated as one of like the best billionaires in the world, mm. like someone told me, someone said to me once. Oh wait, hang on a second. My eyes rolled back so far in my <laughs> head that they got stuck. Um, the good billionaire. He said. Someone said to me once. Uh, Bill Gates reduced um, child the child mortality rate in Africa by half single handedly. It's like one that's obviously not oh, fucking true. I'm, I'm gonna need a scream pillow. Like we're gonna have to get a scream pillow for these, <laughs> these kind of things because. Um, but no, of course, like that's not true. And then two, even if it were true, isn't that, isn't it? it it's like, it's unbelievably fucked up that one individual would have the power to do that and it would be left to that individual to do that. Well, that's the thing. I see that all the time in defense of billionaires. I, I mean, there's two main defenses I always see. One is just that, well, they earn their money. They have the right to keep it. Like, A, no, they didn't. Right. Uh, and, like... And B, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> but it's, it's like, we, we all agree that they should be... It's, it's really not a question of whether or not they should be taxed. It's just how much should we tax them because... We do tax them already. It's mm-hmm. just like way not enough and they get away with offshore accounts and like right. tax evasion and all this stuff. So, you know, the, the defense of saying like, oh, well, they should, they've, they earned it so they should keep it. It doesn't even hold water even if you think that they did earn it because we're just talking about how much right. they should have to give back. Right. Um, I think they should have to give back all of it. But, you know, I, I'm willing to go down to maybe 99%. Which um, I think is very reasonable. Yeah, it's perfectly re- Jeff Bezos would still be a billionaire if we I took 99% yeah. of yeah. his money. That's a mind-boggling I can't, I can't, it's, thing. It's hard to even hear his name. To like, wrap he, your head yeah. around. Oh, yeah. We might do a whole episode about him. I think we have to. We have to. Um, yeah. But so, yeah. So at, at the at the Davos Summit, um, uh, I think a reporter, a journalist, I'm not sure who it was, um, but a woman was interviewing him and she asked, uh, you know, what do you say to people who argue that philanthropy isn't enough, you know, that it doesn't go far enough to like address the ills in the world, ills that you seemingly identify and like an incredibly moderate question, right? Like a very, very tepid, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> kind uh, gesture toward a criticism of everything <laughs> that animates his life. Yeah. Exactly. And he goes, oh, well, you know, if you want to try communism, then and like, that's like immediate. That's okay. Well, that's who he is, right? Like any, any, the, the most... I don't know. Like it, it clearly, he is as as wedded to exactly, and he's as wedded to that like odious, noxious uh, ideology of like hoarding wealth, and it's mine. I deserve it. Mm-hmm. None of the other plebs know what to do with it. Yeah, I have to care for there them. There was somebody else at that same summit that said that laughed at a question yeah. of of more taxes and and said. I think I know what to do with with my money, like for the greater good, better right. than the government does. And like, that's literally that's you're 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 saying you don't like democracy. Absolutely. The government is democracy. No, it's not perfect, and yes, we need to improve our democracy and improve the way the government functions. But it's still a thing that's by and for the people versus you, who's just one dude. And even if we, even if, even if. You know, Bill Gates and, and Warren Buffett and George Soros, even if they were the people that um, that they claim to be, that a lot of people think that they are, which is just philanthropist, benevolent, whatever, mm-hmm. even if that were true, it's, it's absolutely not. Right. What about all the other ones? Yeah. Are we just okay right. with, like, hoping yeah. that once people accumulate that much money that they're going to give it back to the people and just keeping our fingers crossed yeah. that there's going to be some good billionaires? Meanwhile, there's... Hundreds and hundreds of them that we we just don't know 
what they do with their money because they're like hunting tigers mm-hmm. in India and just, you know, building spaceships to like go like fly around Mars and like dick around. Like there's, they have absolutely no accountability for all of that wealth, wealth which is stolen primarily from the global south, um, as well as you know all of their employees all around the world. Um, it's it's fully like extracted wealth from all of the people that work for those companies, but they're just doing whatever the fuck they want with. They're like yeah. I mean like, yeah, or they're like Peter Thiel, who uh, I suppose allegedly buys plasma and blood from teenagers and injects it into himself so he can live longer why not yeah like have have a private pedo island like buy buy an endangered rhino and feed it a bunch of diamonds to see if they shit it out like what do you even do with that much money i have a hard time even thinking about what i would do with that much money because it's it's obscene it's 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 immoral it's it's beyond imagining and you have to be mm-hmm. a complete sociopath to just think that you deserve that amount of money but so yeah even if we have some good billionaires most of them are not good mainly because what it takes the kind of immorality that it takes to become a billionaire like how little you have to care about your fellow human beings well-being to uh, accumulate that much money there's like there's no way to do it morally like mm-hmm. there's just there's just isn't mm-hmm. um you have to underpay your workers you have to ravage the environment you can't accumulate that much if you're treating people fairly mm-hmm. and so um there aren't any good billionaires right. but even if there were why would we just want to leave it up to hope and chance that they're gonna you know maybe throw some vaccines Africa's way like and that's just gonna be enough yeah I don't know um and I don't really understand where the people who say oh what about Bill Gates and what about Oprah and like so what do you want you know like what's what are they are they doing anything you know like they didn't stop us from getting here so what is your proposal (laughs) so uh Bernie Yes, yeah, okay, so, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, we were going to talk about the U.S. election a bit, and it's, Yeah, I think I, this is a pretty good segue, um, now um, that we've gotten onto our favorite topic of, um, wealth inequality and the people who are hoarding all of it and the people under their foot who are not, who are, um, you know, not benefiting from Infinitely more this. deserving. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Bernie's put out some pretty radical stuff lately, like his workplace democracy proposal, like, uh, national rent control, uh, a really rigorous, uh, climate transition plan. Yeah. So just, just to, let's just go over the candidates real quick and explain why, because I do think it's important. I don't know exactly who's going to be listening to this. I think that, um, both of our audiences on, on Twitter, um, are already pretty, pretty left wing, but I, I hope, um, that we're able to reach some people who... Um, you know, might be like, oh, hey, Warren, and, right. you know, I don't know, Buttigieg seems okay, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this and you like Joe Biden, please send me a message. <laughs> I will get you some help. We will work through this together. But, um, yeah, so there's there's a, a broad field of candidates. And the thing is that um, a lot of leftists, especially online, they're, they're very Bernie or bust, and they just laugh at the idea of... Um, supporting Warren or, or Kamala or any of the others. But the thing is that if, you, if you're if you not as obsessive about politics as somebody like you or I, um, or somebody who's extremely online on leftist Twitter, I can see the appeal mm-hmm. um, from some of these other candidates. You know, Buttigieg is, 
he's kind of cosmopolitan. He's gay, right. which is pretty exciting. You know, Kamala's she's a black woman, right. so um, that's alone in the race is right. uh, is I think that's great. Um, Warren's got some some great policies. Um, Biden works for Obama. Was his running mate? It's like I think that's Thank like you. the best thing yeah, you could say about him. Yeah. Oh goodness! I Which and like so little. He like I mean I think it's pretty him. clear that Obama picked Biden to like calm the racists in the oh, Democratic yeah. Party. Like I think that's quite evident. Yeah, it um, was completely strategic, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Anyways, so the point is, I can I can absolutely see liking any of these other candidates, and maybe we'll do a full episode that goes more in depth yeah. onto each one of them and why Bernie is the only one that um is really prepared to um, lay the groundwork that we need to address any of these problems. And I'm going to try to be careful about my language because I really mean what that when I say that it's not that Bernie's going to address these problems because none of the problems that are facing us today, from climate to the war on drugs to mass incarceration to um, the border crises, none of these problems are going to be solved by one president. We are going to be disappointed by whoever gets in there because the systemic issues that have um, broken down democracy in the U.S. and to a slightly lesser extent in Canada and the U.K. and and everywhere, um, those are problems that are going to require more than one good president. Mm. Even if Bernie gets elected and mm. he's great, um, it's got to be more than him. But what he does is lay the groundwork um, to... But to allow um, grassroots activism and a movement by and of the people to um, to make the changes that we need to see. I mean, you said a few times that, you know, uh, in addition to being like president, you can be organizer in chief, uh, which I think is, yes. is interesting. And um, I mean, if you look at the polling data that shows the, the uh, demographic breakdown of the various supporters, of the or the supporters of the various candidates like he his supporters are more so than any of the other candidates they're younger they're more likely to be people of color um like if you consider if you consider non-white people as a group as opposed to white people which i can understand why you wouldn't want to but white people are still a plurality if not the majority so that is like there's some some reason to um they're more likely to be lower income um he has the highest number of supporters in, in uh, places who work for places like Amazon, like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, like his, the people who his policies, ref, the people whose struggles his policies seek to reflect, I think most directly are the people who have been like supporting his campaign. And I think it was the first, I think it's the first, uh, he's now received donations from more than a million people mm-hmm. and the vast majority, like more than 90% of whom still have um can still donate more money without uh before they hit the limit yeah so um yeah and and he's got and and he's doing all this against um you know a media and a democratic establishment that are just absolutely gunning for him and doing whatever they can to sabotage his campaign um and and he's still doing it because that's the, the power of an actual gra- grassroots populist movement. Mm. So, um, so yeah, the reason that I like Bernie, um, you know, it's not just his policies, which although they are specifically very good, we'll, we'll talk about his, um, you know, his approach to the war on drugs. It's not great. Um, it's really disappointing to see that no candidate is really looking at drug legalization. 
um, or even blanket drug decrim. Uh, in, in Canada, we're, we're seeing that. Yeah. So we can talk about that in a minute. But um, anyway, so it's, it's not so much about Bernie's policies, although his policies are very, very good. It's more about um, he's the only one approaching things through an organizing um, perspective. Like w- Warren, Kamala, like all of the rest of them, they're just saying, elect me, I've got a plan, I've got this, don't worry about it, like I can, I can do this. And no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you genuinely this, cannot. Like, yeah. you, like how little understanding of like voter suppression and like the Supreme Court and like just po- how politics works you have to have to think that one person can solve mm-hmm. the problem. And so Bernie recognizes that and what he's doing is he's making sure that his supporters recognize that mm. too. He's making sure that he's mobilizing them and saying, I can't do this on my own. I need, we need all of us um, to fix this. And I think Warren is doing that to a certain extent too. Mm-hmm. But um, her policies are lacking. Uh, her foreign policy I was just looking at yesterday is bad, man. Yeah, so I think that historically that's bad. been one of like the, the uh, areas where she gets the most ardent criticism from the left is that her uh, foreign policy views are... Uh, far closer to like the center or even like center right than people would expect based on I mean I think that part of how she rose to prominence um, in the Democratic Party was the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Mm -hmm. which you know people would get people would receive checks in the mail from uh, the CFPB saying like you know your bank basically scammed you out of this much money and so here it is which is that's something that's something meaningful and I I can understand why that would be really uh, impactful but yeah, I think that uh, I think also like and you know to be completely fair, like Bernie has a, a significant criticisms of U.S. foreign policy, and I you know I think I, I recall in uh, the twenty sixteen campaign when he was like, okay, well you know if we want to talk about like Iran, let's go back to to nineteen fifty three and Mossadegh, and and like he's you know people would say, oh like you said nice things about the Sandinistas and whatnot, but he's like. So he's had that, like, a long-standing criticism of U.S. foreign policy. Um, but at the same time, like, as you mentioned, there are, the, there are these entrenched uh, uh, sectors of power that one president can't um, completely dismantle. And so, like, there will still be a drone program mm-hmm. after a Sanders presidency, even if it goes eight years, right? Like, yeah. there will still be hundreds of foreign military bases that the U.S. operates mm-hmm. or, has, or, has, or can, like, re... re uh, uh, reignite or, or what have you as soon as it wants to. Um, I mean, that's just foreign policy. Like, even domestically, like, their entire judicial system is infested with, like, complete psychopaths. Like, and this is because Democrats have been, I mean, we're guilty of it right now, I guess, have been so focused on the presidency for right. such a long time that they've forgotten that, like, well, I don't, um, I don't know how you even, and this is, I mean, maybe there's a mechanism that I don't know about, but I don't know how you contest all of those judicial appointments that, like, Trump has been putting out. Yeah. Because, I mean, there was someone who, I think he nominated to be a judge somewhere, at like a like a circuit court in some state, I don't recall, who had been, like, a, a ghost hunter, you know? Like, the, like there are, and I, I believe that they've appointed a record number of, of judges, and so, yeah. like, that's... Yeah. yeah, it's bleak. Things That's are really, really bad. Yeah, real bad, real bleak right now. But um, you know, I think one of the things that I've been learning increasingly over the last uh, couple years of um, 
just further and further radicalization <laughs> is um, yeah that, that politics are about more than just elections they're more even about they're, they're more than even judges and everything if if our politics are politics of that are based in material well-being right and you right. and I talk about that a lot right. that, that it's what what are politics in the end it's it's power and it's resources and it's if you become divorced from like the material conditions of your fellow human beings and why those are that's related to to power um then it 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 can be easy to just you know when you're comfortable just think about like oh you know the 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 process and civility and how we want things to look and Mm -hmm. and or even just you know um elections and the the circus around elections versus like what what do we want Mm -hmm. From the world we want people to be fed mm-hmm. we want children to be safe we want um, people to be healthy we want them to have roofs over their heads we want we want them to be able to have fun together we want community we want family and all of those things are um, put at risk by um, by various political systems um, but we can work outside of those systems mm-hmm. um, to provide for people, you know, like unions are politics, mm-hmm. uh, organizing. There's um, like doing harm reduction, you know, needle exchanges, actually impacting people's lives in ways that, um, you know, go beyond mm-hmm. uh, electoral politics is is so important. And that directly affect the material circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, and I think this is another... I mean, this is, you, you can talk about, I mean, it's easy to talk about in the context of U.S. politics, but I feel like this is uh, uh, something that, that more broadly is like a distinction between the right, the kind of center, and the left, is that um, I think that the right has a, an idea of how material circumstances and access to resources and things like that, how all of that like enables political capacity, and so seeks to destroy all of those things at every opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, completely cynically and with no remorse. The center, I think, feels that like ideas can lead and ideals can lead. Like, you know, again, we keep coming back to them, but Biden talks about like, you know, we need to return to this, we need to re- retake the soul of this country, restore the soul of this country. It's like, that's meaningless, Joe. It's meaningless, okay? Like, what are you talking about? The soul of the United States is... <laughs> garbage De- yeah it's like deeply it's a corrupt yeah and- soul. <laughs> it's built on absolutely slavery. malicious and yeah the fact that no but like we're still it's still contentious to even just acknowledge that yo your country was built on slavery yeah. but like and the 1619 project yeah. came yeah and 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 indigenous genocide that shouldn't be contentious at all but just pointing out like oh um hi <laughs> if you're talking about the soul of your country it's built on white supremacy just pointing that out is contentious. So, like, you don't even have an agreement on what the soul of your country is. Mm-hmm. But, like, even if that was a, a relevant or good thing to base your politics around, which it's not because it's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, the soul of your country is garbage, you know. Um, <laughs> it's <really> bad. <laughs> and, yeah, and I mean, I feel like in the, you know, in the best circumstances, uh, the, on obviously these terms are, like, nebulous perhaps too nebulous but like the left also has like a a a view of um material conditions material circumstances as as uh enabling political capacity and and all the other like social and and psychological uh 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 
like access to social and psychological well-being that that is is what we want for everyone right everyone in the world uh, and everyone that will be and um and so i think that's why that's why there's like this i think that's why it's so hard for i don't know if you want to call them moderates but people who's who's orientation toward politics is primarily about like an orientation toward the debate and about civility and about like the principles of 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 interaction or whatnot um i think that's why when you're trying to talk to them it's just like ships passing in the night you know like it's so it's so difficult for me to understand why when someone says something like that like we need to restore the soul of this country it's like i mean what if you restore the soul of the country but like you don't change anyone's material circumstances what have you done you've just made yourself feel better yeah uh yeah exactly and it's like that kind of talk should really only appeal to a certain segment of the population who thinks everything was fine before trump um and there's a lot of those people but um terrifying amount yeah but there's more people i think who we're having a shitty lives before Trump and it's whether or not we can, we can, you know, uh, a message can get through to those people is, is way more important. Like it, I mean, it's clear that Biden's audience is the, you know, um, if, if Hillary Clinton had been elected, we'd be right. at brunch now kind of people. And so it's not surprising that he wants to take that kind of tactic and just be like, yeah, like, let's just get back to, the roots of what we are, mm-hmm. the civility and democracy and all of these sort of ultimately meaningless terms um, because he doesn't want to disrupt the status quo. The status quo wasn't working for people before. It was working for him and a certain number of centrist capitalists mm-hmm. and, and, and comfortable white, you know, middle class people. Um, so he's it's it's almost like a dog whistle to those people to just be like, Hey, you know the soul of our country is inherently good, and so let's just let's just go back a little bit, let's just get things back on track, and you know we're gonna still incarcerate people at ridiculous rates. We're still gonna arrest black and Latino men. We're still gonna you know continue to to bomb Afghani villages overseas. We're still gonna do try to do coups in South America. We're still going to you know. Mm. Um, strip search women in jails. Uh, we're we're still gonna just keep doing what we're, we were doing, but um, you but know soul, we'll have the soul back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Not a good dude overall. <laughs> Awful. Just go, go to bed, Grandpa. <laughs> oh, no. Go to bed. Um, okay, Get but yeah, I mean, so there's here. a few other people. Like we, so we talked a bit about Warren. We talked a bit about Bernie and Biden. Um. I think the two other candidates that get discussed a lot are uh, Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris, I think, is... is. I think that, like... I mean, as you mentioned, she's the only black woman running, which is not... Like, it is considerable in some ways. But why does it have to be her? I know, yeah. And I think that, like, you can't... So this is my... Yeah, I don't I think, think I should be critiquing her too much. I think that there right, right, right. are fully legit critiques that I can make of her record as a prosecutor that are based in sort of my right. knowledge and, and my, my purpose in terms of, um, 
you know, being against prohibition and the war on drugs, but I think you are well, in a better I mean, position to make I'm not, I am, I am not a, a black woman either, to be fair. Um, I think that this is what I would say. Being U.S. law enforcement is an inherently racially violent force. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is someone who believes deeply in U.S. law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Even if she seems to diagnose issues with it, she believes that it is something that must continue in, in a form that is very similar to what it is, that can be used for good, mm-hmm. and that ultimately uh, law enforcement can be used to compel positive behavior in ways that she is willing to justify and defend and employ. And I think that that is unconscionable. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you made your career off of putting people in prison, personally, as somebody who believes that prison is a bad thing for society and that it's not the right way for us to approach... Um, Nearly anything. Yeah, anything at all. There are so many better solutions. Like, people often think that it's either prison or... We just like Lord let people flies. do whatever yeah, they exactly, want. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like either prison or complete chaos, lawlessness. Yeah. No, there's a whole bunch of other options. And if you are have made your career putting people in prison because you really think that it's good for society, oof. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll have to talk to people who like work in uh, work extensively on prison abolition. And, yes, we and should have mentioned this at the beginning. We are planning on doing interviews with people. Yes, yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that like in in the case of that, in the case of like in, uh, enlivening democracy and things like that, I feel like so much of it has to be slower and uh, more humane in ways that there is very little little in our society that we give time and energy and patience to. Um, and that's a huge problem. And I feel like kind of everything has to be slower, you know? Mm-hmm. And we have to produce less and spend more time with one another mm-hmm. and reflect more. And, like, honestly, just, like, talk a hell of a lot more mm-hmm. um, and do slow, deep democracy that will at times be painstaking and difficult. But, I mean, if you claim to believe in... And if you claim to believe that self-determination is an inherently valuable principle, then it can't just be so you get to vote once every however many years. It has to be you are provided with the resources and the time in which you can form, you can you can uh, di- analyze your circumstances, uh, investigate your own beliefs, form co- coherent political demands that represent your reality and your wishes, mm-hmm. and then communicate those demands, organize to support those demands, and impose them upon the structures of power that govern our lives. Mm-hmm. That is not, that's not uh, a fairy tale. That is the, that is required yeah, by the principle of self-determination. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's pretty hard to do any of that when you're working three jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, just barely have enough time to, like, play with your kids when you get home from work. Um, do you know whether or not California uh, is a state where, um, felons lose the right to vote no i don't um because this is this is something that i'm i'm actually like i shouldn't be surprised that it doesn't get brought up in mainstream u.s politics enough um but the idea of removing the right to vote permanently from a citizen is bonkers that's insane that is so clearly based in racial disenfranchisement that like i i don't know how people aren't yeah. Like in the streets over this issue. That not only do you lose the right to vote while you're in prison, but then when you get out of prison, that's just it. You just, you're not a citizen anymore. 
you don't get to make decisions for your democracy. And so, I mean, I'm just thinking about this in the context of Kamala Harris, that like under those conditions, putting somebody in prison and taking away their right to vote for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's unconscionable. It is a humongous that decision. It is a huge decision and it shouldn't be acceptable anywhere, but like just yeah. being okay with that. And I mean, there's so many, like obviously in the U.S. Uh, carceral system, there's so many, there's so many uh, mechanisms which encourage incarceration, like which, which allow people to profit from incarceration. Uh, and, but this in like a sort of a broad, um, uh, like socioeconomic sense or sociopolitical sense, I guess it, you can use felony disenfranchisement to just eradicate a voting population. Yeah. Just create laws That's that will exactly happened. yeah like, that, yeah yeah no it's uh, I mean I don't know and that that is a distinction um, between the U.S. and Canada is that in Canada if you were incarcerated you can vote mm-hmm. and I've always wondered um, how how many people there are in Canada who voted for the first time while imprisoned uh, because I think that that's a that can that's an interesting thing mm-hmm. to to consider um, obviously it's not worth having prisons because people might vote there but uh, but. But yeah, I mean, I think that that is, you know, I'm not, Canada's not all that different than the U.S. And I'm, I certainly wouldn't be uh Well, saying, we're, we're different. We have our own demons, right. though. We right, have our right, own right. unique, you know, problems. Right. Um, based on, you know, the, our, our unique history. But um, Come from the we're same similar place in, in terms that yeah. we're both terrible. <laughs> like, Canada sucks and the U.S. sucks. We've both got that going on. <laughs> Um, so do we want to, we should probably try to keep this under an hour, but do we want to just briefly, um, touch on the Canadian election? Yeah, we yeah can do I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, so big week, big couple weeks <laughs> in Canadian politics. Uh, <laughs> For a second I forgot about it. Yeah. Oh my, I was like, what's happening in Canadian politics? Like, oh, like Jagmeet Singh's been doing okay. Yeah, been doing yeah. Better. And then I was like, oh. Oh, Trudeau. Um, and Jagmeet oh, Singh is the the, the candidate, the NDP federal leader who put forward uh, full decriminalization. He did, yeah. This is why I've been a supporter of, of Jagmeet Singh since the um, NDP, um, you know, what would you call leadership it? Leadership race? Yeah, leadership yeah. race. So I was going to call it a primary because my brain is <laughs> complete mush thanks to over a decade of being obsessed with American politics. Um, I've got U.S. politics brain, but yeah, in the in the leadership race, I supported Jagmeet Singh because specifically because mainly of um, him being the first candidate to openly support mm-hmm. drug decriminalization. Um, and I think it's a good proposal. I think there's still a question of like, does that mean the creation and provision of a safe supply of drugs? And I don't know. I haven't like I haven't reviewed the the proposal closely enough to determine if that's included within it. Well, I think that's probably a different issue because that would have to require some form of legalization, right? Like that's a step. Yeah, unless away from decrim. Yeah. Although I it's think, yeah. Unless it was, if it didn't require some level of legalization, I imagine that that safe supply could only be like uh, access through. Um, like medical institutions, yeah, I which guess is it's, also it's the difference between I guess like decriminalizing uh, use and possession versus decriminalizing sales or yeah, or yeah. just doing a fully different, just kind of like expanding heroin access programs and right. things like that. Um, I'm not totally sure. Um, I mean, but that's another thing that we can discuss at length. Yeah, we another, can we can look into that, yeah. but um, yeah, right now it's Trudeau, uh, Sheer. And Jagmeet Singh and Elizabeth May, who also came out this week with a drug decrim plan. Right. 
Was that it? Isn't it temporary? I heard is it is was... terrible because it's <laughs> like she she literally said, "Yeah, we're gonna decriminalize drugs." Just until the fentanyl crisis gets under control. Unreal. What? Then you're going to recriminalize that's them? That's unbelievable. So like, that people start dying again? Yeah, I don't know. How like, many people are... Are you going right. to... Like, What's how many people off? need to stop dying yeah. before you're like, okay, we're going to criminalize it again? Yeah. Is it zero? Is it once it's down to a few dozen? Is it once it's down to a few hundred? It's like, it's asinine to yeah. think that you can just decriminalize for a little while to get a problem under control when the only solution to the problem is decriminalizing. You're basically just saying, okay, we're going to solve the problem for a little bit and then we're going to bring the problem back. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, I don't really understand uh, the The Greens are getting so much attention all of a sudden just because people are are tired of the liberals and conservatives and are not swayed by the NDP. So they just want something new, something different. And the Greens, it just feels like they're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> what do we do? Oh, what do we what do? We do? Yeah. Oh, shit. People yeah. are paying attention to us. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, decriminalize. But just for a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, we didn't even talk about like the big story, which is that uh, Justin Trudeau apparently has a penchant for blackface and uh, <laughs> racist <laughs> mocking caricatures. I and can. I mean, there's a lot of discussion of this and there's some great, uh, there's some great writing on it. And so I don't know that we need to discuss it at length. Well, I do think that... What would actually be interesting, just for a moment, um, is to... <sighs> okay. I really don't think that people need to hear from white people on this topic. Yeah. But I just do want to say that be, like, j- any white people or anybody at all who's trying to say that this is a normal behavior, it's not. <laughs> and I'm just speaking yeah. as a white people who, uh, as a white person who has known many white people that's not been okay with anybody that i've ever known Mm -hmm. i've never seen that happen it's not a normal thing among at least my Mm -hmm. section of like cross-section of people that i've known to do it once let alone multiple times it's the doing it over and over that is the thing i can't get over like he clearly loves doing it they asked him they asked him are there other instances and he was like "Uh, i'm wary of saying how many because i don't know she's like how many justin like what do you mean yeah that's so funny that's so funny um but yeah i mean my only comment really is that like the trudeau who there's like a, 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 I think a, I would argue maybe this, I'm sure, I'm certain some people would say this is unfair, but I would argue that like the, that, the, a person who will do that multiple times, fundamentally at some level, most likely subconsciously, views non-white people as lesser in a, in a really meaningful way, less mm-hmm. human, less deserving of respect, mm-hmm. less valuable, Really, because you have to, like, lesser beings. Even if you're just doing it because it's comical right. or because it's a caricature right. or whatever, you wouldn't do that if you respected them. And so, and I think that that's the important thing is to note that that view also informs policy. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what your rhetoric is on issues of you know reconciliation or equity or decolonization, that the idea that that it's acceptable for indigenous youth to have much higher, uh, uh, much higher rates of poverty, of, mm-hmm. of suicide, of lack of access to water and education. Overall, indigenous communities to have much higher exposure to harm than settler communities. 
that's accepting that and allowing it to go on without without you know radically pitching the government toward addressing it that communicates the same thing the same view of those communities as lesser yeah absolutely um yeah so um yeah we don't have to go into it no. <laughs> too yeah. much but um I, yeah it's it's really disgusting and disappointing and i will um say to anybody who's listening to this if you would like um to more fully understand um blackface and why uh you know it's a, a very specific um problematic cultural form that has deep deeply historical roots um please watch the movie bamboozled by spike lee um that movie was very formative for me actually i watched it when i was a teenager and i remember just it was it was the beginnings of sort of my understanding of um of the the history of uh slavery and colonialism in north america and um the legacy of that because a lot of people know about slavery but they don't understand um that when it ended it didn't like the 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 project of um you know racial segregation and and um disenfranchisement and um and the 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 whole the whole point of keeping this entire population of people um oppressed um and controlled because of the color of their skin um that that continues today um in in tons of different forms so yeah watch bamboozled it'll uh, it's it's very good and um mm-hmm. It'll give you a little bit of a history, you know, or just like Google it. Like it's mm-hmm. not fucking hard yeah, it's to not like really that educate hard to yourself out, yeah. on this. I just, yeah. I just want people to watch that. Movie yeah, and I mean, yeah, very powerful. Anyways, yeah, uh, should we call it there? Do you think? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think we have uh, lots of stuff to talk about in the yeah. future. Um, I hope this uh, this works out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening, and uh, yeah. thanks for giving us a shot. Stay tuned for more episodes, more yelling, (laughs) (laughs) more screaming into pillows. We're going to do a whole one about Jeff Bezos. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think we have to. Yeah, we got to. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Should we just end every episode with fuck Jeff Bezos? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, that is the anthem. (laughs) All All right. right. Take care. Bye.